It's the bottom line. On News Radio 610, KONA, from the Tri Cities to Olympia to DC, we break down. Break it all down. The stories of the day and the people making the news. And that's the bottom line. Time to get the bottom line. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. With your hosts, Rob Francis and Ed Dawson. Welcome back to the bottom line. News Radio 610 KONA. It's hour number two. Five four seven one six ten. If you would like to get involved via email, 610k1a.com. The bottom line page, your name, where you're listening, what you'd like to say. We're on Twitter at bottom line 610. Parlor, the bottom line 610. And on our mobile app, free through the Google Play and Apple stores. Robin Ed with you. And uh, got an email from James and Kennewick saying Joe Biden did have a good night and only took him six takes to get it right. <laughs> and there will be much of that, absolutely. Yeah. But one of the things that you heard in a recurring theme is how nice of a guy Joe Biden is. Well, sure. He's a nice guy. That's been, well, yeah. all throughout Obama's a, presidency. Nice For those eight years, Joe, uh, Joe's just a regular, Joe's a good guy. Joe. Joe's a now, good guy. Tara Reid would disagree. Um, uh, there's quite a few people as, that would disagree. As, as would a few others disagree. But but here's the thing, and, and we talked about this, and we talked about this as a theme through the, through the, the convention itself was that Joe's a nice guy and orange band bad and lots of cliches and soliloquies and, and all these other things and, and not a lot of substance. So to me, I don't care how nice of a guy you are, you have to be able to lead. You have to be able to get things done. And when I hear a f- guy who's been in Washington, D.C., for 50 years, <coughs> say that he's going to fix Washington, D.C., I laugh. Mm-hmm. Because here's how he's going to fix it. And, you know, we, we you mentioned a little bit before the Never Trumpers, and, you know, they're the Bill Crystals of the world, and this and this movement that I don't really believe exists, this Republicans for Biden thing, which I think is a complete and total fraud, and I'll get to that in a minute. But Joe Biden will fix it by putting it back the way it was. Joe Biden will fix it by hiding all the things that have been exposed over the last three and a half years. Joe Biden will fix it by giving Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer and Kevin McCarthy and all of the decades-long congressmen and senators that have enjoyed relative impunity and been able to do what they've wanted without anybody calling them out on the carpet, the backdoor channels that we have seen exposed to the Department of Justice and the FBI, the spying on American citizens that we've seen take place that we found out about only because Donald Trump was elected. That's what Joe Biden will fix. He'll fix the, the what's been exposed, and he will put it back under the covers. Well, I, I have heard not only that sentiment from Joe Biden, but uh, many high-ranking Democrats that... If you vote for Joe Biden, he'll he'll move things back to the way they used to be. Yeah. Like that's a good thing. You'll be blind again to that's what right. is happening in which your government. Is, which is what there a segment of of the population would like is to go back to the good old days. I mean, there's people that still consider Obama quote their president. So Oh yeah, it'll go back to before the kayfabe was broken in Washington DC. 
You're up on the bottom line. News Radio 610 K1A. What's your name? Where are you calling from? This is James Kenwick. What's on your mind? Well, you, the best thing about government or the greatest thing they do is they cause the problems and they, quote, they can fix them. And the Democrats just mastered it. You're absolutely right. In yeah, many ways, they have. Yeah. And, and, you know, there are plenty of Republicans that fall into that absolutely. category as well. But I think I just... Uh, <laughs> I I just find it funny that there is honestly a segment of the population that wants to go back to the way things were before Trump and like that was all milk and honey for everybody that there was no civil unrest there were everything was just great you know who it was great for the higher ups in politics mm-hmm. R's and D's it was it was great for the machine it was great for the deep state whatever you want to call it it was a gr- it was great for uh for those that are are holding the purse strings and pulling the strings uh, and have been for for generations. That's who it was good for. So if you don't get caught up in that argument is what I'm saying is don't don't think that, you know, under Obama and previously everything was just so hunky dory. And then when Orange Man came along I mean, we went from the penthouse to the outhouse. Don't, no, don't fall into that. Don't fall into that trap. And I'm not saying everything is wonderful under Trump either. But don't get this. Don't get. Don't get distracted by the way things used to be. That argument. Five four seven one six ten. If you'd like to join the conversation. Look, there are individuals that identify under both parties that have done some pretty bad things. Yes. Okay. Aligning with a political department, let me try this again. I'm having a Joe moment. Aligning with a political party does not define who you are. What you do defines who you are. The actions that you take as an individual defines who you are. The Republican Party and the Democrat Party are defined by their platform, by the issues that they fight for, the issues they believe in, the stances they take on moral and ethical issues, and how they believe government should operate under their belief system. It is not an identity other than what the party itself claims to behold to. So if you believe that you're a Republican, you identify as one, that doesn't mean that those set of ideals spare you from anything. They are they are on paper. They're just on paper. They're a set of beliefs, and that's it. So you can identify yourself as one or the other, thinking it's going to be better for you in a political career, but it doesn't define who you are. What you do defines who you are. So when I see things that say Republicans for Biden, that's garbage. That's garbage, because there's nothing in a Republican platform that would even begin to agree with Joe Biden or what Joe Biden stands for at this point in time, particularly in his political career. And the same thing on the other side, when you say Democrats for Trump, 
There is nothing in the Democrat platform that identifies with Donald Trump or things that he has done as president of the United States. There could be one or two things that kind of get close to the line, but to say those things, it's garbage. There is no Republicans for Biden. It's you as an individual who is for Joe Biden, and you used to lean towards that direction, but you yourself are moving in another direction. You don't t- you're not taking the entire party with you. You're up on the bottom line, News Radio 610 K1A. Your name, where are you calling from? Hey, guys, it's Chris from Richland. What's up, Chris? Hey, you know, I've been doing a little bit of digging, and I'm coming up like a blank. Uh, where's Hunter? Oh, Hunter was at the DNC. Didn't you see him? Well, I, I know, but that's what I'm getting at. He wasn't in the... He wasn't in the form he should be in. He should be dressed in orange. <laughs> you know, it was funny too because people were people were looking at like Hunter Biden's really gonna, Hunter Biden. He won't speak to a, he won't speak to a congressional committee, but he'll speak at the DNC. Oh, to get his dad elected. Well, yeah, Hunter 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 Biden's there. But he was another thing. There was there was a woman that spoke at the convention who. Um, is not a legal citizen of the United States, who railed against Donald Trump. But you know what the DNC failed to mention in, in, in her bio? Was that she was first deported by Bill Clinton and then flagged for reentering the country under Obama. But orange man bad. But orange man bad. I mean, it's that kind of stuff that kills the credibility to me. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. As we go to commercial break, I want to... I wanna pose the question the democratic convention is done next up is the republicans we've been talking about that you know whether or not anybody was inspired and moved to now vote for joe biden after what they saw and heard from the party platform from his speech last night or anything let me pose this Want to take the GOP angle. What is the GOP response next week going to be? Or what should it be? What should the Republicans focus on now that they have seen how what the Democrats laid out or not, depending on your point of view? 547-1610-509-547-1610. Email us. By going to the website, 610kona.com, go to the bottom line page, send us your question or comment. Give us your bottom line. Call 509-547-1610. Now, back to the show. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. Back on the bottom line, News Radio 610-KONA, 547-1610. If you would like to get involved in the program, stop by CBD American Shaman across from the Grain Elevator, Clearwater in Kennewick. If you're looking for something to keep you going during the day and you don't want to have an energy crash, whether it's from sugar or caffeine, talk to them about CB Go. It is one of the newest products they have, 100% all-natural, water-soluble through their nanotechnology process that breaks down the thick CBD oil and makes it easier for your body to process. CB Go is a 100% all-natural, no sugar, no caffeine way to keep yourself going through the day. And there are certainly a lot of days you need that extra boost. CB Go can give it to you. Stop by CBD American Shaman across from the Grain Elevator in Kennewick and ask them 
about CBGO and how it can help you. So posed a question before the break. We've seen and heard what the Democrats put forth during their convention. Uh, obviously, an unusual, an unconventional convention, right? Same, same is going to be uh, for the for the Republicans, right? They're mm-hmm. going to have to do the, the the big old Zoom meetings and and everything like that. Don't well, I know think if, they're still trying to do some type of live balance. I, well, I think. But. Well, yeah, I think that uh, you know. Trump, uh, Trump accepting the nomination, his speech, uh, you know, been talked about it being uh, at the White House and and live and all this stuff. But aside from the from the semantics, which are basically equal on both sides, what should be the focus of the GOP convention? And taken in everything that we've talked about today and over the last few days, I am I am of the opinion that Joe Biden didn't do much to move the needle for the all important independents, undecideds, moderates, the moderate Democrat, moderate Republican. Maybe you're not a diehard uh, Democrat. Maybe you're not a diehard Trump supporter. That middle of the road group that could very well decide the election. Quite honestly, um, if they if the Democrats didn't do anything to move those people, what should the Republicans do to capitalize on that? If anything, is it just going to be status quo? Is it just going to be, hey, we've done a great job for three and a half years and we want to keep doing it for longer? You know, is is that going to resonate with with some of the the middle of the road voters uh, or will it? kind of fall on deaf ears just like what the DNC offered, which was 99% orange man bad, and then 1% uh, Joe Biden speaking for 20 minutes, uh, basically on, you know, doing a, doing a good job there. 547-1610 is the number. Let's go to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hi, this is Dave. Hi, Dave. Um, I like the good things. I don't think there needs to be any more bashing on the left. There's been enough of that. I like what's been done, where we've come from, where we're at now, and uh, you know, put out an image of where we want to be in the next four years. Um, I think that's all I need to do. I think a little bit of uplifting, some you know, silver linings in the dark clouds, and um, leave it at that. Get away from the bashing. Thank you. Thank you. You know, and that's a great point. It really is a great point because. If the president really sat there and talked about his accomplishments in the last three and a half years, many of which you wouldn't know about because they weren't covered extensively, but if he sat there and he talked about what he did in three and a half years and didn't call him Sleepy Joe and didn't bash on Kamala Harris and didn't bash and didn't bash on Democrats, but definitely put out the warnings of this is what they're going to do, but but stayed away from the the name calling and everything. That could be the most significant accomplishment he makes in this cycle is leaving all that stuff on the side, focusing on his record, what he's done, what he's done for the American people, and that alone. Because what are they going to bash? If he walks into this, and it's really a great point, 
if he walks into this and just starts finger pointing and says Sleepy Joe and he can't do this and he can't talk and he, what is every single major media outlet going to do? All they're going to do is take the parts out of the speech that he bashed Joe Biden. Yeah, and I, I think, and and the last caller uh, brought that up as well. That you know. And we've seen him do it. Yeah. You know, I mean. We've seen him sound presidential a few times. Yeah, you, he has. And, you know, again, if unless he's forced to tweet his speech, <laughs> I think that's where he starts getting into trouble is when he's tweeting. But I, I can't remember if it was him directly or, or somebody with the campaign uh, made a note after Joe Biden's speech last night that said, in essence, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, that Joe Biden focused on this, all the bad stuff that's going on in, in this country and how he would fix it all instead of focusing on all the good things that are coming about. And that's kind of what you're saying is if the president did take that approach, then, you know, he might win over some people and you know again i i I really honestly believe i'm not saying it's going to be a close election i'm not saying that at all but what i am saying is i think those that middle third of the electorate the middle third of the electorate r's and d's and independents are going to make the difference and how do you appeal to those voters, give them a reason to vote for your candidate. All you heard from the DNC was, we live in dark times, orange man bad. And then the punctuation mark at the end of the sentence was Joe Biden saying the same thing, but if you vote for me, I'll fix everything. Didn't really say how, right? but he said he would fix everything. So... How do you contrast that with the RNC? Let's go quickly. You got time for one more call. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, it's Ryan from Richland. Hi, Ryan. You got about a minute. Go ahead. Okay. I was going to say President Trump next week needs to talk about jobs, 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 talk about uh, possibly paying down our debt, uh, doing a flat tax, uh, bringing home uh, the Democrats by uh, uh, bringing home uh, fixes for like Baltimore and for Seattle and for these Democratic-run cities and how we're going to fix their infrastructure. Maybe that'll bring everybody across the line to vote for President Trump in the upcoming election. Appreciate the call. Thank you very much. Uh, you know, it's it's hard to say. It's hard to say. I mean, that kind of, that's a very conservative approach. Yeah. And that will resonate with conservatives, no doubt about it. But does it resonate with those that are have, have voted Democrat their whole life, but they don't like how the far left has hijacked their party? Convince those people not to vote D anymore because the, the, the opening is there. The opening is there. Going to take a time out. This is the bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA. If you want to be a part of it, 547-1610. Or you can email us by going to the website, 610KONA.com. Go to the bottom line page. Send us your question or your comment.
join the show, call the LegendsCasino.com hotline, 509-547-1610. Back to the bottom line with Robin Ed, presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser on News Radio 610 KONA. Back on the bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA, 547 If you'd like to get involved, happy with your insurance? Well, if you are, great. If you're not, Contact Jason Hogue with American Family Insurance today via his website at jasonhogue.com. He's the only American star certified agent in the Tri-Cities for American Family Insurance. And whether you're looking at auto insurance, because American Family Insurance giving their auto customers a 10% rebate on their premiums for the rest of the year due to COVID-19, and they have adult and safe tra- teen safe driver programs, or you're looking for life insurance, homeowners insurance, you want to bundle a few things together, if you're a small business owner, contact Jason. Or if you do, if you're a farmer, you own farmland, and you have you're looking to change that insurance up. Well, they've done that for almost a hundred years. Visit Jason's website today, JasonHogue.com. Jason Hogue and American Family Insurance. Five four seven one six ten. The number if you would like to get involved. So, President made, um, I guess, an announcement, if you will, uh, today. Uh, but it it, it was He's more, made a designation. Okay, fair enough. And it was it was more or less through his vice president Mike Pence, who also happens to be a part of the coronavirus task force. Mm-hmm. Uh, he put uh, VP Pence on that. Talked to all fifty governors today. Yeah, um, it's an interesting move uh, because, like, believe it or not, like a lot of things with this president, it's layered. It's not necessarily what you see on the surface is, is, is the only aspect to it. What the administration has done, Rob, is they have designated teachers as essential workers. Mm-hmm. Teachers have been designated. Now, it is non-binding. Of course. But teachers have been designated as essential workers workers and the announced reason for this and i say announced because again there could be more layers to this the announced reason was um should be applauded by everyone and that is by designating teachers as essential workers that frees up schools and classrooms to have uh, better access to ppe the personal protective equipment mm-hmm. uh, once the school year begins uh, so that they are, can be in-person learning. And the quote from Vice President Pence was, we want to get our kids back to school, but we also want our teachers to know that we're going to make the resources available so that their schools can be a safe environment. The government's also advising teachers exposed to the virus but not exhibiting symptoms to remain at work. And apparently some states... Are already doing that. Some are, yeah. yeah. Some states are already doing that. Well, some that have not been impacted by the virus as, as much, much as certainly, mm-hmm. absolutely. So, again, I, this is this is not a conspiracy theory. I always say, if if uh, what I'm about to say might fall into that category, I don't believe this is to be a conspiracy theory. But let's let's look at what's happened in some states where. Where schools are opening or there's talk about them opening, you have not all, but a segment of the teaching population 
pushing back on in-person learning because of fear of contracting the virus. Uh, you know, the, the, we know and we've gotten a pretty good idea across the nation that, yes, kids, school-age kids can carry the virus. They can even get sick. And unfortunately, yes, they can die from this. However, a vast majority of them are merely carriers. Yes. They, w- they will carry the virus from one person to another. So to have in-person learning, some teachers are pushing back and even saying that they are not going to report to work because they fear for their own safety, um, you know, being forced back to work before the the pandemic is more completely under control. Here's where the other part of this comes in. By labeling teachers as essential workers, and you then have pushback, is the response, oh, so you're saying teachers aren't essential workers. Has the administration inadvertently or purposely painted the teacher union, not so much the frontline workers, right, the the frontline teachers in the classroom, but more so the powerful unions into a corner where they're going to have to choose to also call their members, the teachers, essential also, and in essence, they need to get back to work and get the PPE and do all the things, or do they push back on the administration, labeling them as essential for fear that, you know, fr- you know from those teachers who are fearful of getting the virus and responding to those teachers, if the unions push back and say, no, 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 this cannot happen, don't label our teachers essential because they're, they're, you know, they, all of them can't go back to work and all this stuff. Is that going to, is that going to expose the unions who have for a long time um, been the advocate for smaller class sizes, for higher salaries, for all these things? I'm just tossing it out there because I, I find it, I find it interesting was it a calculated move by the administration or simply was it what it is and what it was presented as a good thing for labeling teachers as essential. Therefore, now they have better access to PPE. 547-1610-509-547-1610. It is an interesting point that by fighting it, are you also putting out the assertion that you are not essential? And one of the things that we've discussed as well regarding this significant push to online learning is, will that have a backlash effect as well? Because if you go to remote learning... The thought process is that you are one teacher instructing a class, and it doesn't really matter how many people are on the other side of a keyboard because you're not giving individualized attention through remote learning anyway. 
you're teaching a lesson to somebody on a screen. So if that becomes the norm, then you're also raising the question, how essential is it to have what we have right now? And then, of course, you begin to look at where can we cut a corner here? Where can we cut a corner there? Um, it is a very interesting decision. Now, I don't, I, I can't obviously speak to all of the reasons behind it, but we we know that there are many people who have looked to analyze some of the reasons why the president does what he does. And in quite a few of them, there have been that aha moment. And that aha moment only came when the egg broke. Mm-hmm. And people realized we just got baited and we fell for it. And so could this very well be another example of that? Could this be another example of the president looking to take on, and I don't think he's looking to take on teachers as much as he is looking to take on the unions. Yeah. Um, and saying, okay, well, if this is what you're fighting for, I'm going to give you the opportunity to have extra access and additional access to PPE and make your classroom safe. Now what? The only argument you've got to come back with is, well, we're not essential. Because what else do you do on top of that? You're making the equipment available. You're putting them in a prioritized category where they will be able to petition for and get the PPE that will increase the safety in the classroom. The only argument against it is, well, we're not that essential. And if that comes out, oh, boy. Or if something along those lines comes out, oh, boy. You're going to see a very interesting development in the conversation regarding what exactly our education system should be looking like then if teachers are not, or if teachers unions are coming out and saying, well, we're not that essential. We're essential, but we're not that essential that we need to be in the classroom, even with PPE provided. It'd be a very interesting response from the unions and particularly the national heads as to how they're going to go with this. But again, it is non-binding. It's being thrown out there, but you would expect that there would be some type of response. And again, this this is not reflective on on those hardworking no. teachers in the classroom. This is a it's, move. This is a move to corner of the unions. That it, I I I think it it could very well be. Let's go to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Uh, this is Dan from Moses Lake. Hi, Dan. Dan. Hey, uh, I think it's an excellent move on the president because if these uh, teachers want to classify themselves as non-essential, then why are we wasting tax dollars paying them for? And that will be one of the arguments, I'm sure, that uh, comes about uh, with that discussion. Because the argument you get from the negotiators is, well, we need all this money because of all these things that we do and how important we are and how much we matter and how life couldn't go on without us. Well, if you turn around and say you're not that essential, then that kind of kills that argument, doesn't it? It doesn't help it. No, no, no. Five four seven one six ten five zero nine five four seven one six ten. Final segment after this. Speak your piece. Call 509-547-1610. More of the bottom line presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser on News Radio six ten K O N A. 
Bottom line, News Radio 610-KONA. The phone number is 547-1610. And thanks to this caller for their patience through the break. You're up on the show. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Yeah, I'm Eric from Pasto. What's on your mind? Hey, so just a, a couple points to make on the, you know, the teachers being essential. Um, my, uh, my wife was a teacher for first, second, third grade. Uh, she's currently in education. And uh, recently she has just attended uh, online training uh, to uh, go over how these Zoom classes are going to work with, with kids in classrooms. And it's, it's going to be chaos. I mean, can you imagine trying to get a second grader to pay attention to a computer screen for two hours at a time while they're receiving instruction from their teacher? And, you know, I have kids myself, and my kids are enrolled in a a private school, so we don't really have to worry about the public education system um, uh, opening up and having teachers on site. They've been open since they never closed. And so that's that's the points I wanted to make. And it, I absolutely think the teachers need to go back to school. The kids need to go back to school. It's it's important for, for the country, really. Appreciate the call. Thank you so much. 547-1610. Got a few more minutes left in the program. Still uh, going to share our donkey of shame in mere moments. But, yeah, I mean, I think it, it, even if you – believe what some of the politicians are saying um i would say most people want students to return to class teachers to return to class and in a safe and responsible way try to get back to some normalcy because one of the one of the biggest things that happened in the spring at least in washington and many other places across the country not all but many places was that school abruptly ended. And we've heard stories of, you know, uh, parents not knowing what, how they're going to pull this off. Uh, you know, the kids who have had a very long summer break, <laughs> you know, for all intents and purposes, uh, you know, how they're handling it. Um, and so, yeah, I think the goal is to do it as quickly and as safely as possible But then you get into the semantics of it. When is it safe? You know, and and how does it look? You know, how do you do that uh, safely? And that's, you know, that's where a lot of the differences uh, have come. Let's take one more quick call. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Yeah, this is Art uh, from Kennewick. Uh, You know, I've been a member of several unions and... uh, you know, uh, the teachers, you say the teachers uh, want to teach. Well, if the majority of them do, then they should get a hold of their uh, union heads. The union is not representing them then. And, uh, you know, we are down in education. I think we're ranked about 25th in the world. And with these kids being out of school for uh, about three months la- uh, in the last year, and then we start up this way, how much further are we going to get behind? We spend more dollar per uh, per student than anybody in the world, and we're ranked 25th. Now, I think the teachers need to get back in the classroom. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate the call. And the debate will go on. Mm-hmm. Of course it will. Well, now it is Friday afternoon. We have a few minutes left. It's time for that Friday staple, the donkey of shame. Yeah. Would you like to go first? I guess. <laughs> I, I'm really irritated at, at this uh, 
donkey of shame selection of mine. Um, in case you hadn't heard, uh, last night outside of uh, a, a gathering in New England, uh, around about the time of Joe Biden's speech, there was a group of people that weren't necessarily counter-protesting, but they were in their Trump uh, gear uh, outside, you know, showing support for the president. Two young women, it's all captured on phone video, two young women come up, I'm saying women like maybe 20s, possibly in their 30s, come up to uh, a family, and specifically a seven-year-old boy, rip his MAGA hat off, take his Trump sign, tear it up, toss the MAGA hat over a fence, and the kid is crying. You know, it wasn't even his hat. He was borrowing it, and that was okay. They 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 felt like that was okay for them to do, um, to go and, you know, do that to somebody who they disagree with politically, mind you. And for that, um, I hope that not only do you get public scorn, which you already are getting, those two, those two women need to ride a very painful donkey of shame. Tolerance. So my donkey of shame is <clears throat> all the way down in Sumter, South Carolina. <clears throat> you know where Fort Sumter is? Yeah. A woman by the name of Sabrina Belcher is running to be the first African-American female mayor of Sumter, South Carolina. <clears throat> Sabrina wanted to generate a little bit of empathy for her campaign. So what she did was she partnered up with a friend and staged a kidnapping and beating. Staged it. Staged it. Okay. Staged it. A, a la Jesse Smollett. Oh. <clears throat> staged a kidnapping and beating in order to garner publicity and votes in the election. How'd that turn out? Uh, not well, because detectives, when looking into it, um, found that the claims were false after they uncovered communication between her and her accomplice days before a rap video that she put out, uh, which kind of alluded, alluded to something happening to her, was released. Uh, the Sumter police chief put out in a statement, this was simply an effort to create disorder and discontent in our community for personal gain. As a result, a valuable number of resources, including personnel, man hours at the police department, as well as local media professionals, were wasted based on false information. You know what the stunner is? She still got elected? No, oh. no, no, no. She hasn't, no, they haven't had the election yet. She hasn't dropped out of the race. She has yet to drop out of the race, yet she took part, set up a fake kidnapping and beating to get empathy to get elected. Well, she doesn't drop out of the race. I guess we'll see if it worked. Uh, yeah, I, 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 just, I, I would imagine I'll be interested in seeing what the charges are going to be. Be interested in seeing what the charges are going to be. So, Sabrina Belcher, you are riding the donkey of shame, and that is not a hoax. <laughs> That'll do it for the bottom line. Everybody have a wonderful week. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the wonderful weather. Afternoon report coming your way next.